This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by FingerTech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out FingerTech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. FingerTech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. And somewhat concerningly, everyone's left the building and turned out the lights. This is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with BattleBots announcer Farouk Tahid. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, sad news out of Silicon Valley this week, where Duck Captain Hal Rucker has announced he is officially retiring his robot at the end of this season. In his Reddit AMA, Hal writes, quote, The changes in scoring makes it super difficult to win a match and virtually impossible to win the giant nut. Therefore, we've decided to retire Duck. He's been a really fun bot to play with, but he's clearly an obsolete design and we need to move on to something new. In Season 6, BattleBots modified its judging criteria to award 5 points for damage, 3 points for aggression, and 3 points for control. Duck currently sits at 0-2 on the season after losing judges' decisions to Witch Doctor and Dragon Slayer. Fun fact, in its 12 career matches to date, Duck has taken it to the judges 6 times and only won 1 of those decisions, coincidentally following the robot's first fight at BattleBots. Uh, I want to pause here. Um, This is obviously sad news for all of us as massive Duck fans, but um, your thoughts on Duck retiring. Does Hal have a point? Is Duck obsolete in uh, the 2021-2022 era of BattleBots? I, for one, am going to miss Duck. Uh, However, I know that Duck wasn't really Hal's, you know... um, it wasn't really his original intention in, as a foray into the sport. And I do think that he's built an incredible reputation for himself as being, uh, you know, a builder that, um, uh, you know, designs incredible amounts of redundancy into his bot. It's, it's, a, it's a work of art. It's not just a robot. And I'm, I'm very excited that, you know, hopefully with, with, that, um, with that new brand that he's kind of built for himself as that type of engineer gets to build something that, uh, you know, he is more, um, you know, geared towards building and, and hopefully something uh, that uh, will be able to really dish out some punishment. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, Hal's next uh, heck, next version of, of whatever he, he decides to bring. Back in 2017, Hal brought a bot to Robo Games called Whoops, uh, which was similar to Duck in the sense that it was just a tank. 
Uh, he used it to destroy Last Rites, which is the uh, the Robo Games version, I guess you could say, of Tombstone, and um, won that whole tournament with it. But for BattleBots, you know, his first bot was Ringmaster, which was a, a really really cool ring spinner. Um, and I think that that is really what his intention was moving forward. I remember in our interview with him and Hannah, um, as I recall, he was saying that he he intended Duck to come that year just because he didn't have time to build something like Ringmaster and that Duck was just kind of a placeholder bot and then everybody fell in love with it. And, you know, that's kind of the path that he has been on with it. Um, I love Duck. I love the way Duck is built. I think looking at the finished product and the the progress of Duck is amazing and I love Duck fights. Uh, but yeah, bringing a bot to lose every time, you got to be a real zen individual for that, uh, i.e. Gary Jinn. And not everybody's Gary Jinn. Yeah, well said, Kyle. I, I think that this is one of the, it speaks to one of the challenges of BattleBots because you don't have design freedom per se. Um, because you have to apply and BattleBots has to accept you and you begin to build a brand for your robot. I'm actually kind of surprised that um, Duck is retiring so early because, you know, it has a very popular Hexbug toy out there. And I would imagine that BattleBots would really want to keep Duck around for as long as possible. But yeah, to your point, I mean, uh, for this for this show there, it, it must be incredibly frustrating to show up and to look at the judging criteria and to say, there is virtually no path for me to win. So what am I going to do? Just every season, bring this robot, this punish bot that they put up uh, against these incredibly uh, high powered spinners. And I just destroy my robot and spend tens of thousands of dollars in repairs uh, of my own money. Um, and yeah, just have an zero and three record until the end of time. Like, no, thank you. So, I actually respect Hal for for knowing when the party's over and exiting and coming back with something else because he certainly has built that brand for himself as an engineer, as somebody who builds gorgeous machines. Uh, I like Chris, and I know the rest of us are incredibly, incredibly interested in seeing what he brings next. Uh, you know what I am totally going to miss going forward, guys? Kenny talking about duck strategy to break their fist with his face. <laughs> I don't, you're, are you insinuating that he said that more than once, Kyle? He has said that in every single duck fight. It's basically tattooed into my brain at this point. Everyone. That is not an exaggeration. It's ridiculous. But uh, real quick, I just want to say... Hal, thank you for bringing Duck into our lives. We, I, you know, love that bot so much as as we all do. And, you know, much like Luke said, so much respect for saying, you know, what? I know a lot of people love this bot, but I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to make my own freedom and like probably get out of the hex bug grapple <laughs> that maybe other teams, you know, face and, you know, go pursue your own thing. And so uh, I know whatever, you know, Hal and Hannah and team cook up next is going to be as elegant and beautiful and incredible and probably more destructive uh, even than than Duck. You mean um, Mecha Swan? <laughs> You can't stop Mecha Swan. <laughs> Mecha Swan. Uh, just, yeah, so so much props to Hal and team. Uh, and uh, 
Hannah is so cool. So I, I'm just like really looking forward to, to whatever comes next. Good. Well said, Lindsay. On over to San Jose, California, where Malice Captain Bunny Sariel this week revealed that she sustained an estimated $9,558 in damages after the team's punishing opening fight of the season against Jackpot. Repair and build costs remain a hot topic in the sport as BattleBots currently does not provide build stipends to the teams, instead forcing them to pay for the bots out of pocket or to find local sponsors. Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters has tackled this problem by building a powerful bot on a budget, noting in the comments that he could build two jackpots for less than $10,000. Speaking of money, the teams behind Mad Catter and Witch Doctor are auctioning off battle-damaged parts of their robots on eBay this week. Mad Catter's auction ended yesterday, and Witch Doctor's auction will end on Saturday. Check out the Witch Doctor auction. Uh, Fun fact, it is amazing. (laughs) The parts are gorgeous. Uh, And the team's anodized parts uh, will look great on your desk. I don't know if you have a desk, but if you do, it'll look great. Um, And finally, the rookie bot Switchback is getting its own signature cocktail, courtesy of Double Jeopardy captain Evan Woolley. This orange and black drink looks fantastic and delicious. The recipe calls for Dolce Vita Blanco tequila, nine banded straight bourbon whiskey, lemon juice, orange juice, agave nectar, and a black salt rim. For the perfect pairing, may we also suggest five BattleBots stickers. And uh, that's it for this week's news. Just to clarify, those signature cocktails are for adults only. (laughs) Yes, 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 Lindsay, that's true. Um, Yeah, I I guess if you're a kid uh, listening to this, just uh, drink an orange juice and uh, eat a BattleBot sticker, and uh, you can basically get the uh, the same experience. (laughs) All right, uh, before we get into our interview with Farouk, it's time yet again for Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 110 people participate in Snap Decisions. Three people managed to call seven out of seven fight night fights correctly. Those people were Eddie Benson, Jethro Ryalubin, and Jimmy Selling. The easiest fight to call last week was Uppercut versus Free Shipping, with 109 out of 110 people correctly predicting that Uppercut would win. The biggest upset was Dragon Slayer versus Duck, with 32 out of 110 people predicting that Dragon Slayer would win. Now, before we get into this week's uh, predictions, I would like to take a pause here and get your thoughts on episode five. I, I'm going to argue that this is probably the most balanced episode of BattleBots we've seen so far this season. We saw a big explosion from Uppercut on free shipping, Shatter rolling out with this wicked looking sword, an effective use of the upper deck twice by P1, a fiery out of the arena that still haunts Trey Roski to this day, good performance from the rookie bot Dragon Slayer, Duck's unexpected retirement, and an absolute slugfest of a main event. I would love to get your thoughts. Big takeaways from last week's episode. Kyle, Chris, Lindsay. I think it's also fair to mention that uh, uh, Farouk was on point. This was Farouk's best episode ever, I think. And that is like a a tall order to fill. I agree with that. Hydra intro was amazing. Uh, One thing that I'll say about Farouk is that he's had great moments in episodes in the past. Um, but I don't think there has ever been a situation where he's had so many consistently good 
intros in one episode. Yeah, um, I would say like <laughs> I I genuinely laughed out loud when the Hydra intro was happening. Um, I was like, I I <laughs> I like to see these different sides of Brook. Like, um, and we get into it with with our interview with him, but he is a delight and a national treasure, and he must be protected at all costs. So. Um, I love Farouk. We love Farouk. Um, that intro was incredible. His intros this this episode were were absolutely on point. Um, that said, <laughs> do we have thoughts of the fights themselves? Uh, any any big fights that uh, that stood out for you? Yeah, I'll say I like Hydra with only tiny flips and lots of them. I thought that was kind of effective. Um, I also like the fact that Jake is so good at bot building that he had a win and called it an F minus performance. Uh, that makes me smile. Yeah. Although it's a funny juxtaposition to go from like, you know, um, the big talking villain from, you know, last season to now it's like, if it's not perfect, he's calling it an F like, come on, Jake, get your confidence back a little bit. That clearly was not an F. Uh, that was a, a really good performance. And, uh, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not a person who, like, looks for drama or, like, characters in these type of shows. Like, I don't I don't need a villain to root against. So I'm, I don't love, like, the villain aspect. But now I'm like, well, come on, Jake, bring back the villain. Well, well <laughs> clearly he meant F, you know, F as in uh, Flipper still sort of works. <laughs> Yeah, or or F as in fiery out of the arena. Like, what the heck was that? Um, you know, like, do we have out of the arenas this season? Are they illegal? Or is it a suggestion? I thought that the whole reason why we put those stupid salad bar, like, um, sneeze guards on the sides of the arena so that we, we wouldn't have these out of the arenas, especially out of the arenas with fire right next to the door, <laughs> which is incredibly dangerous. Like, what is going on? Like, why wasn't Hydra immediately disqualified for that? Like, it just seems like a safety violation plus a rule violation. I don't know. Like, am I the only one here with this opinion? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they never give Hydra another, like, flame bot ever again. Like, <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to risk that happening again. But in terms of, like, whether or not, you know, it's allowed by the rules, like, as with many battle bots rules, I guess, it they all are somewhat subjective. Yeah. So, like, if it's not done on purpose with intent, then it's okay, you know, uh, how it, do you prove yeah. that? You so prove really, that? you know, it seems like it is allowed because it. how do you prove intent? We've we've learned legally proving intent is very difficult even when it is clear. Not saying that this is clear for Jake. I, I don't know, you know, if that was intentional or not. I'm just saying, like, it's very hard. The way they edited it, edited it that's a hard two words to say next to each other. It certainly looked intentional. Like, he... Uh, was enthusiastic about driving under him. He was enthusiastic after the flip. He was enthusiastic when the flip landed out of the arena. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's hard to judge intent. But if you were had to, if I had to look at that clip and say, was there intent or not? I would say that was pretty intentional. Um, that said, they just need to, they, I, I know this is like, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterbacking here, but why can't they put a sneeze guard across the whole door thing? 
so that when the door closes, the sneeze guard comes down with it and bots can't land there. Wouldn't that be better? I don't know. Probably because they wanted this to happen. Like, probably they wanted there to be controversy around My, my guess would this. be that there just wasn't time to do the last minute engineering, you know. I, I'm sure that they thought out, okay, yeah, no more out of the box. That's great. We have the upper deck now. Um, but, like, then building a contraption, either attaching to the door or occupying that space just in inside the door, you know, probably would have been extra time for bots to be in and out of the box. And... Um, maybe they just kind of had everyone give scouts honor. We won't flip anybody into that void in the corner, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a chaotic sport and things are going to happen. Uh, and then what protocol do you put in place to make sure that it doesn't happen? Because, you know, if, if there's just absolutely no flipping in that corner, then there's no flipping in that corner. And if somebody flips in that corner, then there needs to be, you know, some kind of call on that. Uh, you know, that, that said, it was obvious that this was going to be Hydra's match, um, you know, but again, chaotic sport. You never know what's going to happen. I think getting rid of out of the arenas in general, though, is just such a bad idea. This is like, this is Agreed. This is what gets people annoyed with BattleBots, right? It's like, hey, we want diversity of bots. And, and Luke, to your point earlier, we are going to force diversity of bot by locking in these designs and making sure we only approve like specific bots with all these different designs, but we are going to make it harder and harder and harder for these different types of bots to win. You know what I mean? Like without out of the arena, slipper bots have a significantly lower chance of winning a fight. Just all there is to it. All right. Uh, I have a solution uh, for, for this. We replace the upper deck, which has been universally hated uh, this, this season with um, a ball pit. A giant ball pit with like a a tall kind of you know like a fence. So you know you you can throw your opponent into like a plastic ball pit. Um, they obviously can't get out. We've replaced out of the arena. It's cinematic. There's uh, plastic balls going everywhere, and uh, you know they're fi- if if you if you, your opponent's on fire, you know there's melting you know ball pit balls just uh, just kind of uh, going everywhere. It's gonna be great. All right, there's. There's ways around this, all right? This this entire thing smells very British to me, and I don't like it. I don't like it. This is how you get uh, <laughs> giant metal frames, keep-away frames, that <laughs> falling into pits, and internet memes made about it literally 15 years later. Like, it, I, I hate it. In, in addition to, uh, you know, the kill saws, the screws, the hammer, the, the shelf... Each uh, each team is is able to operate a large claw mechanism that drops from the ceiling, so that they can retrieve their bot if it does go out of bounds. But you got to put in four quarters, and you only get one try. <laughs> this seems a bit like a spoiler alert, there, Chris. Um, all right, so I also want to talk about some other fights, like free shipping versus uppercut. How scary is uppercut right now, guys? How scary is uppercut? It's uh, it's definitely. One of my top five. Um, I, I've loved it since it was first introduced. I think that it's um, uh, just it's a it's a gyroscopic mess of <laughs> of just absolute carnage, uh, and I love every single minute of every fight. I will say in the beginning, you know, I almost thought, wow, I should have picked free shipping uh, as who I thought would win because. You know, Uppercut is not maybe the most maneuverable bot 
and Gary Jinn is, you know, quite the renowned driver. And I thought maybe there were a couple exchanges in the beginning where I thought maybe, you know, he was going to be able to get the better of it um, just because, you know, free shipping can drive much more seamlessly than uppercut can. But, you know, the thing with a three minute match is you can have the better of a few exchanges because your driving is better for, you know, the first 30 seconds or whatever. But it, as we see, it only takes one hit from uppercut uh, in the right way for you to literally go up in flames. And that's that's basically what happened there. I mean, Gary Jinn would have had to be absolutely perfect for three minutes. And even then, he probably would have been limping towards the finish mm-hmm. um, just because of how powerful that bot is. So even with, you know, their kind of wonky drive, um, because of the gyroscopic nature of that weapon, I mean, they can still get it done. So I, they're they're like almost unstoppable, maybe. Mm, I love it. Any other uh, any other reflections on last week's episode? Blacksmith versus Shatter. Yes. I, I want to talk about how amazing the Mary special is. How giant chain driven anime swords need to be on more pots. I believe this a thousand percent. And I don't know if you guys watched the um, the video that Bots FC put out, Shatter, the Shatter team put out, about the damage after that fight. They absolutely wrecked Blacksmith. It was like they punched holes in the AR-500 top plate. Uh, tiny ones, but still holes. And ripped off the belt and broke the chain. And that's pretty sweet. I mean, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, when I called the match for Blacksmith, I was not factoring in the reach of the Mary Special. Like, that weapon is is so... Uh, it's so good at doing what they needed to do because of that reach. Um, and it was, it was a whole lot of fun. I mean, I, I think shatter can now safely say that they are the hammer supreme like are are we safe to say that yeah for sure also i didn't realize why they were calling the power hammer a power hammer until i remembered all of the hours of uh that blacksmithing tv show that i've watched with my kids and real blacksmiths use power hammers all the time and i feel really silly for not making that connection wow how dare you kyle yeah it is what it is (laughs) Um, also, I just want to say, uh, that P1 is really cool. I'm really happy for it this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was a a moment where I thought it was going to get high centered and that would be the end of it. So that was a little scary. Um, but, uh. You know that I'm I'm like really happy for them this season, and I'm excited to see how far they can go. Totally. All right. Well said. Um, Okay, let's get into this week's predictions with a little bit of help from our resident statistician, Gil Hova, starting with our very first fight of the night, number 12 ranked Rotator versus number seven ranked Black Dragon. Kyle, your prediction here. Yeah, this comes down to rock, paper, scissors for me. Uh, It's very hard to call anything against Rotator, but if there is going to be a vertical spinner that can beat Rotator, it's Black Dragon. They're athletic. Uh, they're well-driven. There's a lot of power behind that egg beater. Yeah, going to give it to Black Dragon. Okay, Black Dragon. Lindsay, your prediction? 
Ah, oh, this this really is a difficult one. I'm actually going to say rotator just because I think they have an edge when it comes to reliability or, or durability. Um, but yeah, wh- whoever says that they're confident on this one is probably lying. Mm. Chris, your prediction. Yeah, I, I totally second that. Um, uh, wow. It's a really tough matchup. Both bots are very very durable <laughs> we've seen we've seen them go through hell um but i'm gonna say that i i really i'll side with kyle on this one i, I could see black dragon um maybe being able to corral rotator against the wall enough to uh, uh to get that advantage over rotator's weapon Okay. Chris, let's stick with you for the next fight. Number 59 ranked Lucky versus number 121 ranked Blade. Your prediction. Um, here's, a, here's an interesting question. Is Lucky actually a flipper or is it a eater? Oh. It, it refers to itself as a launcher, to be specific. And what is the difference between a launcher and a eater? I'm trying to work on my, my, my vocabulary <laughs> here. So uh, if if I you know this is this is not codified anywhere, but a launcher throws you away from yourself, uh, whereas a like you know in a kind of diagonal rah throw them away. Um, so it's a four bar lifter, right? So it's like a lifter, but it it launches you in the opposite direction. Um, whereas a yeeter is more of a hail mary. We don't know where it's going to go whoop de doo depends on where you get hit by Mammoth's weird yeeter thing. Okay, so a uh, a launcher is an escalator, and a yeeter is the wonkavator. Whoa. Yes, exactly. And a, and a flipper is an elevator. And a flipper is an elevator. That's exactly where I was okay. going to go. Yes. Perfect. Okay. This, is now, this is now canon. We just codified it. I'm going to go with the launcher. Or... <laughs> Or, or the escalator, if you will. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, Kyle, on over to you. Number 59 rank Lucky versus Blade. This is Blade's fight to lose. Uh, yeah. It, the, this is exactly the type of fight that Blade wants. Um, and I hope that they do very, very well. I feel like they're doing this because they want to test Blade's self-writer. Uh, but the, I bet that self-writer is going to work just fine. And they're going to dish out some massive hits. It's going to be fun. Okay, Lindsay, your prediction here. I am going to make this call solely based on uh, the drive performances that I saw in their first matches. Um, And Blade had a lot to kind of figure out while Lucky really seemed to have it dialed in despite it being a new driver. But the fact that he kind of is a driver professionally for... Oh, that's right. He He's an RC, like an off-road RC driver. Yeah. And, and, he, and he does like competitions. That's I thought that that was brilliant. Um, and I've said this a hundred times myself. If I was to ever invest in building a bot, I would be recruiting whoever has the most nimble thumbs in the world. <laughs> Right, because I know that it's been a long, long time since I beat Marble Madness, and I probably don't have that anymore. So I would, I would just go and I would try to find a Ronin that is going to drive my my bot to the best of its abilities. Yeah, and so for that reason, I'm gonna give it to Lucky. But I, my heart wants Blade to win because I, I really want to see what Blade can do. Such a gorgeous bot. Yeah. All right, good. Lindsay, let's stick with you for the next fight. Number 85 ranked Dragon Slayer versus number 15 ranked Minotaur. 
Dragon Slayer pulled out an upset against Duck in the last episode, uh, but I don't think they have another one in them. I do think this is going to Minotaur. Okay. And if Dragon Slayer does win this, uh, then they're like a um, a king killer. But there's like a term for that. A Dragon Slayer? <laughs> I really walked into that one, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> All right. One vote for Minotaur. Chris, your thoughts on this fight? In uh, in the D&D realm, this would be a really interesting fight. Dragon Slayer versus a Minotaur. Um, I'd say, though, uh, in, in, in robotics, uh, I'm going to give this one to Minotaur. Dragon Slayer, uh, it was... It, 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 it definitely took out Duck, who we know is like indestructible, but we also saw the Duck this season had been suffering from either traction or drivetrain issues. I'm I'm really interested in learning a little bit more about what what happened there, but I um I've I saw Minotaur's first match and I know what Minotaur is bringing. Uh so I'm going to yeah, I'm going to give this one to the uh, the Brazilians. Okay, Kyle, take us home your prediction on this fight. As the British say, Minotaur will win. Okay, very good. Uh, Kyle, let's stick with you for the next one. Number 82 ranked Pain Train, my team, versus number 13 ranked Yeti. Ooh, this one's hard to call because we don't have that much data to go after. Uh, Presumably this fight happened after Pain Train got smacked in the face by Deep Six because, and then also Yeti got got pretty beat up in their last fight too. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Yeti and Greg Gibson, uh, but they yeah, I, I'm not confident in that. Okay, how dare you? Um, all right, Lindsay, your prediction here, Pain Train, the very best robot on the planet, versus Yeti. Uh, there's nothing more that I would love than to see Evan Arias have the drive on Pain Train dialed in and being able to bring his truly aggressive driving stance that we have come to know and love and respect at Norwalk. Um, I'm not confident yet that, that is going to happen. Uh, and, you know, I'm going with Yeti. Okay, we've got two wrong guesses here. Chris, your prediction, uh, you know, the most beloved robot from the best team on uh, on BattleBots versus a tired old robot from Alaska. Uh, your, your thoughts? Oh, God. Um, I think that if this was going to come down to who has the best social media game, I would give this one to maybe pain train, but since this is a robot fight and you're on the team, I'm going to give this one to Yeti. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just uh, Chris. Uh, yes, seriously. <laughs> Chris, let's stick with you for the next fight. Number 51 ranked hijinks versus number 62 ranked Kraken. Ooh. Ooh. This is a weird one. Um, really, really hard uh, to wrap my head around. I, I, I am very confident that hijinks can deal a ton of damage, but I can't think of a better matchup for Kraken. Um, it's got that really low, uh, you know, that, that ramp essentially in the front that's going to be able to, you know, kind of corral and scoop, uh, scoop hijinks. And, you know, I just, I, I've seen it lose its dentures this season, but I, I just don't see how uh, hijinks is really going to be able to continually avoid that. So I'm going to give this one to our friends from Florida. Okay, Kyle, your thoughts here. Hijinks versus Kraken? Hijinks is like tasty burger for Kraken. It's exactly the right size for Kraken to go buddy bite on, especially if they get their extra long teeth. Uh, I'm going to have to give this one to Kraken. 
Okay. Lindsay, your thoughts. Hijinks versus Kraken. Every single time that I choose the non-kinetic weapon, I'm wrong. Uh, So my brain is telling me choose hijinks. Um, But my heart is telling me Kraken. Uh, I love both of these bots so, so, so much. Um, And I will would hate to see hijinks go 0-2, but I'd also hate to see Kraken go 0-2. Like, it's a shame that that, that's going to happen to one of these. But I'm saying Kraken. Okay. Lindsay, let's stick with you for the next fight. Number 121 ranked Defender versus number 83 ranked Riptide. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say Defender. Okay, Defender. Chris, your prediction? Um, I'm going to give this one to Defender also. Hmm, Okay. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on this fight? Defender versus Riptide. Going Riptide. This kid's done his research. He knows what he's doing. Okay. Um, And now, uh, Kyle, let's stick with you for our main event. Number 34 ranked Hypershock versus number 9 ranked Lockjaw. (sighs) Two of the best drivers in the game. Very similar bots, right? In many, many ways. Hypershock's got slightly better reach with their weapon. And Will Bales and team are confident. They are secure. They are happy. I'm going to give it to Hypershock. I don't like betting against Donald Hudson, but in this particular case, I feel like this is a year for Hypershock. Mm, Okay. Lindsay, your prediction. I couldn't have said it better. I'm going Hypershock for all the reasons Kyle just outlined. Okay. Chris, your prediction. Hypershock versus Lockjaw. What a strange main event. Is anybody going to say anything about that? (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because they are both going to end up in smoke no matter what happens. <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping that someone in, ends up with an interesting haircut. So I'm going <laughs> to go with Hypershock. Okay. Chris, uh, now on to the YouTube exclusive fight. Number 47 ranked Deep Six versus number 58 ranked Smee. I, I love it. It's the... Um, uh, the the age old fight of the uh, the butter knife and the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I wonder who's gonna win. <laughs> What's your prediction? It's, 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 I mean, this writes itself, right? It writes itself. Like let's let's take the biggest cutting uh, uh, bot there is and put it against the biggest bot to be cut. Um, you know, I I <laughs> I honestly think though that I don't see how Smee could lose this fight if uh, if they were able to get under those really long forks on deep six, but um, that's already proven to for some bots to be difficult. So I don't know. I'll just say deep six because um, I, I, I honestly, can I vote for a double knockout? Oh, because the, there's the second double knockout for deep the, six. the second double knockout. Uh, but I think that the reason why both of them would be knocked out is because deep six, uh, uh, both uh, launches, yeets, and uh, elevates uh, uh, SME uh, around the box. Okay. Lindsay, your prediction on the YouTube exclusive. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say deep six. I don't know. Okay. Very strong prediction there. I like it. And Kyle, your prediction on this fight. I really hope Mr. Joe Fabiani has gotten very good at driving this very awkward version of SME. Um, and I hope that he has a great showing in this match. And I also very much so hope 
that Deep Six cuts all the way through Smee because that would be sick. Deep Six is going to win this fight. Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up this week's edition of Snap Decisions. Look for our post on Facebook later today to send us your predictions. After the break, our interview with Farouk Tahid, sponsored by MaxAmps. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, BattleBots ring announcer Farouk Tahid. Farouk is an actor who's appeared on some of our favorite TV shows of all time, such as MasterChef, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Cold Case, The Shield, NCIS, and New Girl. He's also worked as a voice actor on blockbuster video game franchises Mass Effect 3 and Bioshock Infinite, and the Cartoon Network series We Bear Bears. Recently, he started hosting his own TV show on NBC called Roots Less Traveled. Combat robotics fans know Farouk as the voice of BattleBots, introducing robots as they enter the arena and announcing judges' decisions when matches go the full three minutes. We are so excited to learn more in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Farouk. It's behind the bots time! (laughs) Hey, what's happening, y'all? Thanks for having me. Great introduction. Truly appreciate it. Let's rock and roll. So happy to be here. Thank you. Ferg, I love the energy that you're bringing. You're like hyping me up, which is so great. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so, okay. So we got like more than a hundred questions from your fans. Wow. And I had to cut them down to like 30 questions. <laughs> and I know we only have like 45 minutes. So we have like less than 60 seconds per question. Um, and I'm sure that we are going to, to run out of time before we run our fan questions, but the community loves you. They have sent in so many amazing questions and I cannot wait to get started. Um, I want to first start by kind of getting your introduction to acting. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about, um, about your early life and kind of your decision to become an actor? Like at what point did you make that decision? And at what point did you go all in on, on that as a career? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's one of those things where um, it's still a little bit of a mystery to me, um, like when the actual decision was made, because, you know, in West Oak Lane, Philadelphia, I was born and raised, you know, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, so I went to I went to a school called Freedom Theater and it was like a school in Philadelphia where you where a lot of young kids and even older adults and stuff would go and learn acting, learn dance, learn singing as a performing arts school. And my mom, she wanted to get me off the streets of Philly. All I wanted to do was play basketball and hang out. And she wanted to get me off the streets. So I traded in my basketball and my street cred for some ballet shoes and tights and ended up going to a, a theater school where I learned acting and stuff and learned how to just really be confident and, and, and uh, learn how to, as they say, we had to enter the door. We couldn't get into the door without saying, I respect myself. 
And so that's that was our key to get into the door. And so, uh, yeah, my mom put me into this acting school, man, when I was about 13. And then I had to transition from eighth grade to high school. And I actually went to performing arts high school and uh, then went to college for acting. So my mom is one who catapulted it. And uh, I remember it was one summer. After I went to the first semester of that theater school, my mom said, Farouk, you want to go back? I said, no, I don't want to go back. I ain't like it. I want to play basketball. And I made two basketball teams that year. Well, come to find out, you know, moms do what moms do. So my mom applied for a scholarship to that school behind my back for that summer. And I got it. And she said, well, I don't have to pay the thousand dollars. You going. And so that was the end of the story. And I've been acting ever since. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, when, when you look back on on your career, which now has spanned more than 20 years, you know, as an actor, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about some of those early projects? Like, how did you get your start, you know, um, and, and start making money, you know, in, in the industry? Yeah, my first my first professional job, uh, which I say was actually which got me in the union, like the SAG union. It was before it was SAG and after they used to be separate. Now they're together. But this was like you said, it was uh, back in ninety nine. Uh, I auditioned for a a ABC Disney movie. It was back when ABC was doing their Sunday feel good movies. And so it was one of those projects. But, man, it was crazy because I was actually I, I danced too. I was a, I danced professionally. I was dancing at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia. And this director was looking for me. I'm like, what? He called the offices of Bush Gardens. Now, mind you, I'm in Virginia. I'm from Philadelphia. And I get this director calling me from California and Atlanta saying, hey, he wants to work with me. I'm like, how does this guy even know me? This is before the Internet, y'all. You know what I'm saying? This is before, like, Instagram and TikTok and all that. I wasn't putting, like, my acting reel up on the Internet. And so... I had did a documentary for that Freedom Theater School that I was talking about. And it's funny because that you that you asked me this question, because the teacher, Robert Kristoff, um, he was the one that was directing me in a scene in this documentary that the director got his hands on and saw my work. Um, and I say it's funny that you asked me that because uh, I just found out this past week that that teacher, my acting teacher, Robert Kristoff, passed away. So God rest his soul. And I thank him for everything that he gave me. Um, he is a big response, a big part of reason why I am where I am and why I'm who I am today. Because um, without that scene, this director would have never saw me. He would have never been looking for me. And then I booked a role in this movie called Selma Lord Selma, which was about the civil rights and voting registration rights uh, during the 60s. Um, and, yeah, that was my first project. And from then on, man, I, I studied in London. Um, for four months during my last uh, semester of college. And then I found out while I was in Atlanta working on this movie for six weeks, they was like, hey, look, if you want the big roles, you want the big parts, you got to move to L.A. So that's what I did. Literally, I graduated in New York City, finished walking down the aisle at 9.30 p.m. I was at LaGuardia Airport at 4.30 a.m. Wow. Seven hours later, moving to L.A. Wow. And so that, that was the start of my career. Yeah. About 10 years into your career, uh, you appeared on season one of MasterChef. I know that one of the producers on MasterChef was Aaron Catling, <laughs> who, who's now the showrunner of BattleBots. Um, we have so many questions yeah. about MasterChef, so I'll just run through these really quick. Um, <laughs> here, uh, So our, our first fan question comes from Victor Dyson, who asks, how uh, did appearing on MasterChef help you as a home cook? Or did it? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely did. You know, uh, thanks for that question, Victor. The uh, MasterChef was an amazing experience for me. It really changed my life in many, many ways, uh, and, and the good and the bad. But specifically to this question, it just really, being going on MasterChef just really elevated my cooking. It elevated, like, you know, I used to make, I used to make box pasta. 
Now I know how to make pasta from scratch. You know, I used to make, um, um, I used to just chop up my cheese and put it into the macaroni. And now I know how to make a bechamel sauce. So it was like things like that to help my elevate my cooking. So now I really consider myself like a home chef instead of a home cook because I got like a lot of the elements that I learned. And that's why I do. I bring it to the home now. So it's just really took my, taking my, uh, my home cooking to a whole nother level. We've got a, a good question from Justin Kepner who asks, now that you've competed on MasterChef, do you have a favorite dish? Oh man, you know what I always say my favorite dish is my next dish. <laughs> Cuz I love I love experimenting and I love cooking different types of food. That's one of the things I love doing too. I love traveling and traveling around the world and being in places like Egypt, India, Thailand, Singapore, you know, you really get to experience culture through food. And for me, I just love whatever whatever the next thing I'm cooking, that's the next thing I love to cook. But you know, a lot of people love my macaroni and cheese and my soul food, so I get down with that. Mm, that's good. Um last question about MasterChef from Hunter Huey McIntosh who wants to know, would you compete on MasterChef again if you were given the opportunity? Mm, that's a fun fun question. Uh, it's a fun question because I was actually given the opportunity to compete again. Oh, um, I accepted the opportunity to compete again. It just didn't work out. Let's just say that. Um, and it, 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 it just didn't work out. They'll, they, I, we probably can talk about more in maybe about six months or so, but let me just say right now, I did have the opportunity to compete again and it just did not work out. I will say this too, when it comes to reality cooking competitions, there's really only one other one that I would compete on, and that's Chopped. Chopped is probably one of the only uh, other cooking competitions I would compete on um, on our on our sister network, on Food Network from Discovery. So uh, yeah, if Chopped ever comes calling looking for, uh, you know, uh, former reality cooking competition contestants, I'm one of them. Good, good. Um, let's transition to uh, questions about BattleBots because there are just obviously... Uh, so many of them. <laughs> the other the other 27. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, let's start with a question from Alexander Archer. How did you land the position of BattleBots ring announcer? You know, that's that's one of those crazy stories, too, man. Luke, when I look when I look back on my life, man, it's just the way things line up and the way they happen and they fall into place. It's just all destiny. And that's and that's it's crazy because so I used to work on I, when I first started hosting, I did a lot of hosting in video games. Live events uh, was known now as esports. I was kind of like, you know, back 10 years ago, 2005, started on the Madden Challenge, going around the country, putting on those video game tournaments. And, uh, you know, as my career progressed in that nature, I ended up on a on a on a direct TV uh, gaming series called Championship Gaming Series. And it was for TV. And we did Dead or Alive. We did Counter-Strike. Uh, we A couple of FIFA, a couple other games. Right. And I was the announcer for that. Well, there was a producer on there. Who used who's he's done Super Bowls, he's done NFL, NBA championships, the whole nine, right? His name's Mike Burks. We call him Burks. Great guy. And he was working on BattleBots. I had no idea. And I said to myself, I said, I said, you know what, Farouk? You got this LinkedIn account. You don't ever use it. So let me just log into LinkedIn and see what's going on on LinkedIn. I'm gonna try to use it for a week, see what it's about. That one week that I logged in. That's when Mike Burks reached out to me during that week and said, hey, Farouk, I got an opportunity for you. Wow. So had I not logged onto LinkedIn, I would have never known about this opportunity for BattleBots. So when I logged in, he was like, come on down, let's have a meeting. And let me tell you guys, I never I never even did one introduction for them. We just sat. We talked. I talked with Aaron. I remember talking with Greg. I remember talking with Mike Burks. I remember Trey was in the room as well, I believe. And we just had a conversation for about a half an hour. And then I found out a week later they gave me the position. Mm. Awesome. 
Good, good segue into our next question. This is from Andre Cruz. He asked, what was your reaction when you learned that you were going to be joining BattleBots? I mean, when I first learned I was going to be joining BattleBots, uh, I was super excited. I was stoked. I'm like, hey, look, man, this is going to be a great show. Wow, I was going to be on ABC. Let's look at this. This is going to be great, super. But let me tell you, I had no idea <laughs> what I was getting myself into. <laughs> the first the first BattleBots event, man, it was everything. We only we probably only had, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 bots at the time. And and really we shot over the course of like one weekend, maybe four days, a long weekend. But I remember by day three, the final day, I had zero voice. Mm. No voice left. Cause I, you know, again, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I was giving my all on day one, day two, day three come around. I did nothing. I talked only to do introductions and that was it. Mm. Do you remember like kind of back to that, that season one on ABC, do you remember what it was like when you stepped into the battle box for the first time? Um, do, do you remember what it was like seeing your first heavyweight fight in person? Yeah, I was, it was electrifying, man. It's, it's, and even to this day, to this day, it is one of the best things to see live. I'm telling anybody and everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice, if you get a chance and an opportunity to go see BattleBots live, it will change your life. It is a complete different spectacle seeing it live versus seeing it on TV. I mean, the power, the sounds, the sparks, the fire, the pieces of bots that fly around that box and smack that 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 thick thick plexiglass that keeps us all protected it is so exhilarating and that and that that was what it was for me and you know for me is I, the one thing i always remember about battle bots even from day 1 is stepping into the battle box you know being on that floor where there's saws and buzzers and and hammers and everything and be like okay i just hope none of this slides off or you know goes off while i'm in here you know what i mean but battle bots man they keep everything super super safe and i got to say the one thing that i remember specifically is the smell of the battle box after a fight like that smell of burning rubber the kind of smell of i mean burning rubber burning burning gas uh fumes metal uh, just, just all of it, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? Imagine like you going into a, 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 the octagon or something, right? Like Kenny Florian probably remembers the smell of blood and sweat and tears from the octagon, right? Well, that's, that's the kind of like the equivalent in battle boss, just the smell of like oil and, 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 and fire and metal being burned and cut in half. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm also really curious about, um, about the, the persona that you built for BattleBots, you know, did you sit down and think about how you wanted to announce the bots, like kind of what your presence was going to be inside of the the BattleBox, or is this just for pure Farouk? You know, <laughs> like is this is this how how you would announce like any kind of sport, or um, or did you really think about the character that you wanted to bring to BattleBots? No, nah, man, I really didn't think about a character. I just went in there and did my thing. Yeah, I just went in there and did what I know to do. You know, like I said, I've been, you know, me being having been hosting and doing announcements. I've I've introduced all types of teams and players and people and celebrities and everything else. I remember one time, um, I was working a um the what's what's the what's the the big expo that happens here in June, the video game expo. E three. E three. Yes, E three. Perfect. So I was hosting E three 
Right. And I remember I went to go do this separate event at the House of Blues in here in L.A. And they ran downstairs, came to find me because I was doing um, some interviews in another room. And they were like, oh, we need somebody to introduce uh, Tony Hawk. Come introduce Tony Hawk. So literally, like I had no prep. Two seconds. I'm running upstairs to a whole different stage and I run out onto the stage and I see thousands of people out in the audience had no idea they were all there. And I had to introduce Tony Hawk. So like. And I met him literally for like two seconds and that was it. And then went back to do my other job. And I say all that to say is I was just, I just intro the way I intro, man. And and I, one of the things I love about BattleBots is that they give me the freedom to do whatever I want to do. There are no rules. And most of the time when I do my intro, not, I'm going to tell you 99.9% of the time I do my introductions, nobody even knows how I'm going to deliver it except me. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to hear more about the typical day in the life of Farouk at BattleBots. Can you take us through just kind of like from start to finish? Like how early do you get up in the morning? Like how, like when you get to the set, what what's your day look like? You know, yeah. how much downtime do you have between your introductions? Do you get to walk around and see the pits? You know, like can you kind of give us like a typical Tuesday at BattleBots, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh... You know, I show up to set. We It's great because we don't have like too early of a call time. Right. You know, sometimes when you're shooting TV shows, you can have a call time as early as four thirty, five thirty in the morning sometimes. But, you know, BattleBots is nice to us. You know, for me, uh, I'm able to get there a good hour and a half, two hours before we start. And then, you know, I get my I get my beard ready. You know, got to get the beard ready. You know, a lot of people love the beard. Keep it sharp. Keep it fresh. <laughs> um, and then also in that time, you know, I'm also uh, warming up my voice. You know, for me, um, Taking care of my voice during the time that I'm shooting BattleBots is paramount. Um, I really don't do any drinking or anything like that. I don't do any like extra talking and just really try to um, just do everything to, to make sure my voice is good. I got a humidifier in my room, even though when we're shooting in Vegas and it's 90 degrees outside, I don't even turn the AC on in my in my trailer because I got to have it. I got to have a real humid and real moist in there for my vocal cords to like stay lubricated. So um. Yeah, then I then I'm able to uh go hit the arena floor, man. And what's been so so great, so amazing, is having the fans back. Oh man, do we miss the fans? We miss the fans during COVID and all that stuff. We're glad to have them back. And when I'm when the fans are there, maybe I'm able to go through, walk through, and you know they all start cheering and stuff. It makes me feel so good, and I love the fans. And I just walk through. I try to give people a little little dap, little little sign, little autographs as I can. And then I start getting ready to go over my introductions, see what's coming in, and you know go over my introductions and figure out how I'm gonna do them and what what crazy stuff I'm gonna do and what 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 improvisationals I'm gonna do and. I just, you know, go through all my intros and then uh, I go up there, intro, the fight happens. If it's a decision, it goes decision and then we go to the next fight and just keep doing that over and over again. I remember a lot of times, too, like if I see a special person in the audience or like if I got a family member, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll try to bring them up to the battle box. So, Luke, if you ever make it out to, uh, you know, Vegas, come see us, man. You come see me, man. You can get a, a, a two foot front row seat, two feet away from the battle box cage and you can watch the fight with me. How about that? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I will take you up on that. That would be amazing. Done. I, <laughs> all right. So this is the number one question. And I'm assuming you also get this question all the time from the fans yourself. But can I see if I can guess it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Do I write my own intros? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the question, right? <laughs> it is. It is. And then I guess the secondary question is who writes the intros? Because they are amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, from the beginning of time, we've had, uh, we've definitely had writers. And let me tell you, these writers, man, 
they I don't even know what kind of love they get, but they need all the love and they get all the love from me because if I was writing these intros, I would get no, I would be dead, dead by day one, day two. I mean, we talking about we, we bring in now, what, 60 plus bots that you got to write an intro for each one. And then you don't know if they're going to win or not or lose or not. And then you got to write an intro for their next fight and their next fight. And especially when we get down to the to the to the to the tournament for the giant nut, the, the, the final like eight, eight bots left, like the turnaround that they have to do to write those introductions and then not repeat them and still be as crafty and as 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 cool and bring up all the crazy stuff. I would get no sleep if I wrote those introductions. So we have an amazing, amazing writing staff, amazing writing team that really put they all into it. And one thing that I love about it is like I said before they give me no no box my box is completely open they'll give me they'll give me german accents they'll give me references from the 40s references from you know 2000s it don't matter movies songs and and i and i just like to pull it out so yeah man it's it's, it's all props to the writers but if you ever order one of my cameos if you ever, ever order one of my cameos and i do an introduction for your cameo i do write all those Nice. Yes. Very cool. Um, I, I, this is actually the, the part of your craft that I'm most interested in. You know, the part where you get the copy from the writers and then you figure out how you're going to deliver it. Like I, I was thinking about your, like, I mean, you had so many great introductions this past Thursday. I, I was thinking about like the, the Hydra introduction you did where you were the flight attendant, right. um, which was so good. It was like amazing. Thank you. Thank um, you. you know, and, and, like their their introductions you do where I like I'm like laughing out loud while I'm watching, you know, just because it's delivered so well. You know, like how do you figure out in your mind how you're going to uh, to announce something, you know, that that you, that you get? You know, one of the great things about this show is 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 also being a fan of it myself and being a fan of the show myself. I, I think to myself, what, what, what would I want to hear? What would what, what what would what would make it fun for me? And and I just try to make it fun for myself. And I think that's what bleeds out for everybody else and bleeds out to the crowd. You know, for instance, like the Hydra intro. And I had a lot of comments on Twitter. Discovery uh, even retweeted and posted just that introduction. Um, And for me, it's like, okay, yeah, what am I doing? I see this introduction. It comes in. Okay, look, this is about. You know, a lot of it is about being on the airplane. It's about airplane stuff and it's referencing airplane. So why not do it like the pilot? Do it like a, a a flight attendant would do it. You know, when they get on the when they get on the phone and talk to the whole plane. So that's that's that was the motivation for me behind that introduction. And I was like, you know what? Let's just have fun with fun with it. It'll be completely different um, from my normal introduction of rah rah, kill kill, death death death. I could be nicer with it. And then, of course, I always bring it back with the introduction and bring that back to be hardcore. I love it. I love it. I get so hyped from your introductions. It really sets the tone for the show. I feel like, you know, if we didn't have that, BattleBots just wouldn't be the kind of special show that it is. So I want to thank you for for that. Um, all right. Uh, on over to, to Kyle, who's got probably another 25, 30 uh, questions from the fans. Kyle, take it away. Thank you so much, Luke Farouk. It is nice to talk to you. Uh, I live in Cumberland County, New Jersey, and I followed you on Instagram for a while now. And one thing that you can really tell from your Instagram is you love uh, being a dad. 
you really love BattleBots and you really love Philadelphia. And uh, I, I love that city so much. So I really I share that with you and I really appreciate that about you. That's what's up, Kyle. Indeed. Um, so I got some good questions here from Mike Taylor, who says uh, there are quite a few pop culture references in Farouk's intros. Are there any stories or references you didn't get at first and had to research or have them explained to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of times um, I'm, I'm either there are times where there are references that either I'm not familiar with, like there could be a song reference um, or, you know, um, I remember there was a reference about um, what's in the box. Like I didn't I, I heard the reference before, but I didn't like know where exactly it came from. So a lot of times I'll look it up on YouTube or I'll look for it and I'll and I'll, you know, try to do it, you know, even though, like I said, when the writers write it, they just write it. They have no idea what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. So I'll look it up and see how they said it. And then I'll just, you know, figure it out and do it from there. So a lot of times, yeah, if I don't know a reference, I definitely will research. And there's plenty of times, too, where I'm not plenty of times. I feel like there's only been like a handful of times in the in the six seasons that we've done. Maybe only a handful of times where sometimes, you know, an introduction can come in a little too racy or a little too hardcore. And uh, I didn't and I don't do it. And I'm actually one is one. It was one this season that I actually glad I didn't do. Um, and it was, I remember it was about Betty White and saying something like she doesn't die or something like that. And now I'm glad I denied it because, you know, we, we lost Betty White this year and or, you know, this past you know a few weeks ago. So I'm glad that I, we denied that uh, that that introduction. Oh, yeah. What a I mean, because that, that would have been tough or they would have had to cut it off the floor. Have me redo it totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of a blessing that you didn't do that. That's crazy. <laughs> um, all right. So I've got another question from B is for BattleBots illustrator Caleb Kempson. I don't know if you ever picked up that book, but it's pretty good. Um, so are there any pre-show rituals that you do to get in the zone? I know lots of actors have those. So so what do you got for coming into BattleBots? Yeah, man, I come in, like I said, get to my trailer, turn on my humidifier. I get my um my my diffuser going with some lavender eucalyptus um because all those help with my 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 voice my vocals and help relax my vocal cords. Then I uh I do my vocal warm-ups. I do my vocal warm-ups cuz we normally have two shows a day, uh two sessions a day, so I'll do my vocal warm-ups before each session. I make sure I have my my hot water, my tea, make sure I got my 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 regular water and um yeah, I just make sure really all my rituals are surrounded by Listening to music, having a good time, and protect, protecting my voice. Yeah, it sounds like that first season really uh, taught you that you had to do that with this particular sport, huh? Let me tell you something, man. Listen, when I tell you I couldn't talk that first season after two days of introductions, I was it got to the point where the next two seasons, every producer I came around, Aaron included, everybody was like, how's your voice? Every day, how's your voice? Your voice okay? Every day, how's your voice? Your voice okay? And so it's gotten to the point where like the last four or five seasons i've been strong i haven't been i haven't been losing my voice at all and now i we do 300 400 introductions in a a session and in in a two-week span using your instrument the right way man that's what it's all about that's great yes sir um all right so we got alexander archer who wants to know what's the hardest intro you've ever done on BattleBots? all right so i got two of them right i want to say one of the hardest ones i ever did was uh valkyrie when a Valkyrie first hit the scene and I had to do a Valkyrie introduction, again, it was one of those things like we talked about before, like, did I know the reference? Yes, I knew the Valkyrie song, right? Like, I knew that, right? So when I went to go do it inside the battle box, I had it in my head the entire time. I was, you know, preparing it, ready, go inside the battle box to introduce Valkyrie. What happens? 
at least four or five times, man. I just messed up the whole tune. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. It just, I just got in my head and it just, it literally, it became a thing where like, I think it took me probably about six takes and normally, and I'm, I'm this is not, I'm not bragging or anything, but normally I'm a one take, one take on it, on it. And that's it. But that one took me six takes and I was sweating like a pig in a slaughterhouse because I was just getting it wrong, getting it wrong, getting it wrong. Um, and then I want to say really some of the harder ones are probably when we get down to the championship, because when we get down to the championship, the the introductions are really long. They're like three times longer than normal. And something that a lot of people don't know either is that for the first five seasons of BattleBots, I actually memorized every single introduction before I before I went into the box. And what you got to understand is sometimes those intro, I would get those introductions sometimes two minutes before I went in. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and only only because of only because of 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 COVID, um, I think they we brought in they brought me outside the box, and then they began putting my um, introductions in the teleprompter because I wasn't inside the box. There was no audience and all that kind of stuff. So that's the only last two seasons I've been doing it off a of teleprompter. But don't get me wrong, the memory's still solid. I could still do it. Well, yeah, you got that classical training, man. That's what it's all about. Yes, sir. I got to tell you, I like Farouk on a stage. I think it works so much better. It's really nice. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I like the stage, but I got to say, man, I do miss being inside the battle box. It's something about, like I said, being inside the battle box, you know, with the teams and all that. But I I do like the new design of it, and I do do appreciate it. It's just, I guess, being inside the battle box is just classic for me. You know, it's like my my first home there. I love it. I love it. All right. So follow up question from our our friend Caleb. Uh, What's been your favorite robot to do intros for in general? Is there one that you just like every time they come into the box, you're like, yes, I'm pumped about this. Yeah. And I got to say, it's it's, it's a witch doctor. Witch doctor is one of my favorite. That comes through. (laughs) Always, you know, being a voice actor as well, I've always wanted to do like evil voices. Like I got, I got, I got a couple of just evil voices that I want to unleash in in some capacity, whether it's in a video game or on a cartoon or animated movie, whatever it is. And so when I get to do Witch Doctor, I get to play around and, and do more of that, that evil, sinister type, um, you know, Witch Doctor-ish uh, introduction. So it's a lot of fun doing Witch Doctor. Um, all right. So we got a good question here from Bloodsport team member Nick Buchholz. Who writes uh, sending? Hey, Nick. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, sending all the love from the builders. Which bot name is the most fun to call out? And if you could name a bot, what would you call it? Uh, I think the I think uh, one of the best. My two favorite bot names to say or like introduce is Tombstone and Huge. Um, and it's just because you know you get to go Tombstone, like you just get to play with it with so many ways. And huge, you just get to draw that out. You know what I mean? Because it's so huge and try to make it big. Um, but if I had a bot name, I would want to call out, and I think it would be like the bot that. Uh, and this might this might settle one of your questions too. Um, if I had a bot, what would I name it? And like you were saying before, you know, one thing about me, you're gonna know that I'm from Philadelphia. So for me, my bot name would be Brotherly Thug, which would be a play on Brotherly Love, which is the city of Brotherly Love. I would call it Brotherly oh, Thug. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so that that would be the name <laughs> of my so bot, good. Brotherly Thug. <laughs> oh, that makes me smile so much. All right, so we got an interesting question from Stephen Eager who asks, um, are there any voices or impressions you do that you're still waiting to use for an intro? 
Uh, but the appropriate bot to introduce just hasn't made it into the battle box yet. Um, what if so? What would that be? Yeah, I think that I think that falls in line with what I was talking about about the the, the evil voices that I have, um, you know, to to introduce. So if there was ever a battle bot that came in that, um, you know, that was just 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 pure sinister and pure evil, you know, then he probably would get it. He probably would get a voice like. Everybody's out there. Come on, let's go. It's devil. Like I just do little things like that, or maybe I'll do something like I want to kill everybody in the world. So it's just be little things like that. I would just play around with doing things like that. I love it. See, like Team Malice, they fancy themselves as supervillains, right? That's what they want to come out there and be. But like Bunny right. and all the Davids are so sweet. It's just hard to buy They're it. They're so sweet. They're just. Yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, yeah. But yeah, Bunny, man, come on. Like the she comes out, big smile, big energy. I love the flames and everything. But Malice, you know, it's, yeah, they, they, they definitely, they definitely, the personalities yeah, I, I love I love that squad. They're really cool people. Yeah. All right. So we got another question from Brian Lewis who wants to know, how much time do you get to spend with the teams? And has any team ever uh, requested a specific intro for their bot? Yeah. What's up, Brian? Uh, yeah. No, nobody's ever. No, no team, to my knowledge, has ever requested uh, an introduction. Not not to me anyway. I know a lot of the teams they do. They definitely watch in the background. They definitely love to, you know, they anticipate what I'm going to, how I'm going to introduce their bot or, or, you know, to, for them is just as much as a show, part of the show, um, as well as, as, the, as the fans. So yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's just fun, man. It's fun. And they, and I think they don't, they, they just really just look forward to see what I'm going to do. And, uh, yeah, I haven't had any, any personal requests, but when it comes to spend time with the teams, I, I get a chance to, I get a chance. I don't get as much time as I, as I probably would like, or, or they would like, um, I really get the chance to walk the pits every now and again, not too much, but man, let me tell you, they, they're so busy. Once the tournament starts, once BattleBot starts, begins day one, once your bot enters that battle box, it's nothing but work and work, 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 work for them. So when you travel and you walk through and you see the pits at BattleBots, a lot of them bring out futons, mattresses, sleeping bags, lawn chairs, whatever, because they are there 24-7 working and building on those bots. So neither one of us really got time to get together and hang out. But, you know, when, when, when it's all said and done, I get to hang out with them before they come out and after they leave. So it's a lot of fun. I love that. All right. I'm going to ask you uh, an interesting three-part question from Chris Horry, and then I'm going to pass you over to my friend, Lindsay. So question okay. from Mark Horry. Um, have you ever met any of the old comedy Central Era production personalities like Mark Biro, Bill Dwyer, Tim Green, or any of those folks? Carmen Electra, Jay Leno? Yeah, no, nah, I, I, uh, I haven't, I haven't had this opportunity to meet any of them. Um, I, I met, I met the, I met briefly real quick. The, uh, um, again, it was just in passing. Uh, met Mark real quick, the other uh, bot in, intro, introducer announcer, and yeah, it was it's just one of those things too where like I didn't even like even in watching the old Comedy Central stuff, I just kind of watched it for reference. I didn't really want to, you know, kind of do what Mark did or anything like that. I just wanted to kind of do my own thing. So yeah, I haven't had a chance to meet mo only only Mark really. I met him in passing once. Yeah, and he took it like from a real. I mean, boxing is his background, right? So he took that very like yeah. traditional boxing, which I thought was great. It really gave a lot of legitimacy to the sport. What you do is totally different. Yeah, so I love that too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
Um, but but also too, that's another thing too. I, I you know when it talks about introducing other things and announcing other things, man, I would love to I would love to announce and bring my my my, my skills as as LeBron James said, take my skills to uh, WWE or even UFC or even boxing. You know, um, I'm 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 ready for it. I'm, I've been waiting for the opportunity to get in and get to those arenas as well. Oh yeah, I mean you would be great at it. All right, so here's another question from Chris. What's it like reading the judges' decisions, especially the split decisions? Like, how much dispense do you have to put in before each line? Are there any decisions that you read that you're like, hmm, that's not how I saw it? Oh, absolutely. Listen, like I said, I'm just as much of a, of a fan of the of BattleBots than anybody else out there. So when I'm watching a fight and I think the judges get it wrong or even when they get it right, you know, when they get it right, it's right on. Like, I, I'll get the card. I'm looking to see who who's the winner. Who is the decision if it's split decision or unanimous? And sometimes I'm like, oh, unanimous, especially this past season. Kyle, listen, man, this past season, it was at least three or four fights. So I'm like, oh, I hope I hope nobody got the judge's address because they go. They're coming after them. <laughs> I've heard. Uh, all right. I'm going to pass you over to my friend, Lindsay. It's been so nice talking to you, Farouk. Same here, man. We're going to do it again. Hello, Farouk. What's up, Lindsay? Hi. So I know we have a couple minutes left here. So I am going to try and get through as many questions as we can in that time. Uh, the first one is from Lindsay Eureka, who says, are there any off-screen shenanigans that you get into on BattleBots that obviously, for whatever reason, don't make it on camera? Oh, absolutely. Let's 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 talk about what happened this past season, right? So there was a a a friend that was introduced on BattleBots. You guys know Copperhead, right? Copperhead, and they're all about, of course, snakes. And so this year, you know, one of the things I love about BattleBots is the personalities of all the builders and teams and all that. And so they bring all the theatrics. So this year, we got to meet Cuddles. Now, Cuddles was an albino boa constrictor that they actually brought out a real snake. And I love snakes. I had two Colombian boa constrictors myself growing up. Um, I had to get rid of them because they got too big for where I was living. But, man, uh, we had I got a friend of my friend. He's works on the set with me as well. And he is terrified of snakes. I'm talking terrified. So is Chris Rose, by the way. I want to get Chris. I'm going to get Chris next year. Chris Rose terrified of snakes as well. So what I was going to do, so what I did, instead of getting the real snake, right, because whenever the real snake was around, Chris Rose and my friend, they both were like on high alert. Like, where, where's the snake? Where's the snake? Oh, high alert, right? So I found like just the teddy bear snake. Uh, the like the stuffed animal snake, and then I went up to one of my went up to my friend, and I put it right in his ear, and he jumped up and ran like halfway across the arena. So yeah, it's a lot of shenanigans like that that don't make the stage, but also a lot of my dance moves. You know, when they when they when when it's when in between fights or while we waiting for like Captain Shredderator to spin down and stop spinning the arena when there's a lot of downtime. You know, the DJ will be playing music and, you know, I like to get my groove on. I like the boogie. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I do. A lot of a lot of my dance moves and stuff don't make the don't make the uh, don't make the cut. But you guys did see a little taste of it in the, in the discovery promos this year. I'm going to have to write a strongly worded letter to Aaron Catling to please show us more Farouk dance moves. Done. <laughs> so Patrick Orgel writes, Farouk, I love your impressions and how much energy you bring to whatever you're doing. I'm also glad to see you in the spotlight for your new NBC show. What has been great about being with BattleBots for as long as you have? Um, I think just being with BattleBots as long as I have uh, is, is really BattleBots is like a family. You know, everybody that that participates, all the builders, uh, Greg, Trey, the producers, everybody, Ryan and director, like 
uh, everybody down to hair, makeup, and just everybody. Um, even when it comes down to even just like the audience wranglers, that audience, you know, people that, that, that control the crowd, like just being a part of this and being a part of it for so long. I, I mean, I'm just so blessed, just blessed. And when I look back and I'm like, wow, I've been doing this since 2014. 2014 is since we've been doing battle bots and we about to head into, we got our sixth season about to head into the seventh season is just, it's just something I would never, never could have imagined that this is what I would be doing for this long. And I'm just so, so grateful. Um, and just so, so happy and proud of everybody that works on the show. And like I said, man, we just, it's just like a family. So that's actually a great segue, uh, into another question about family. So bombshell team member, Stephanie Sayers farmer writes, I was lucky enough to sit with your son at filming several years ago. Mm. He was a lovely, polite, and enthusiastic young man. What's he up to now, and will he follow in your footsteps? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if he's going to follow in my footsteps, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, he loves BattleBots just as much as I do. Um, my son, my son uh, hasn't really lived with me since he was like three years old. Um, he moved to Hawaii, and he's now currently living in Idaho. But whenever we do battle bots and he gets the opportunity, um, you know, whether it was through homeschooling or, you know, recently with with a lot of people doing online schooling with COVID, he's been able to come hang out on set. And uh, he did it again this season, came out and hang out on set. Uh, man, he's big now, though. When I first started battle bots, man, he was a little guy. I got I got old pictures now. He's the same height as me. Uh, he just turned 15 last month. He's in high school now getting pimples. You know, he got he got hair on his private areas. There's all kinds of stuff. That's probably TMI, but you know, I don't, I don't got no filter. So there we go. Uh, yeah, man, it's 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 it's, it's wild because it's like you know, I even get a little emotional even just thinking about how he's grown up and you know the fact that he's out there and people can actually see that he's a good kid and you know he's he's just enthusiastic. So man, I, I love my boy and whatever he decides to do with his life, he can do it. He did tell me though he you know I went out and bought him some new clothes for 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 Idaho because he went from Hawaii where it was always eighty something degrees to Idaho where it can freeze over. And uh, I had to buy him new clothes. So he did mention that he might want to try to get some modeling done. So we'll see. So, all right. Before we go, I just want to um, uh, give a plug to your cameo with one last question from Drew mm -hmm. Monteith, who says, Hi, Farouk. When my wife started watching BattleBots with me, her favorite part of the show was and still is your introductions. She wanted me to ask, what has been your favorite cameo you've made through the Cameo app? And I want to add on to that. Our editor, Nicole, uh, um, uh, hired you for a cameo uh, for oh, her awesome. boyfriend as like an alarm clock. Oh, and yeah. That was that one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever heard. And they are so in love with it. And it's fantastic. So, yeah, that's that's Nicole, our editor. Um, but other than that one, do you have a favorite one that you've ever made? Yeah, I do actually. It's funny, Nicole. Nicole, that's great because I do. I remember that one. It was so unique. Um, but yeah, I I, I want to say it was actually one of my first ones. Um, when I first, I, it took me forever to get on Cameo, just like it's taken me forever to get like a blue check on Instagram. And I used to, I used to, I used to hold those things like kind of tough, like oh, I must not be good enough or I'm not celebrity enough to get those things. Um, but I eventually got on Cameo, um, which is funny because I got on Cameo. Because the chain smokers invited me to introduce them, introduce them at, at a birthday party. And that's how I got on Cameo. But that's another story. But anyway, um, been on Cameo for a couple, about a year and a half now. And um, when I first started, I was like, you know what? This is not really about, you know, money or anything like that. And I was my friend was there and somebody has sent over a, a Cameo request. And it was about 
their their husband who had complications with diabetes and had lost um, a toe um, because of, of diabetes. But they was like, oh, he's got a good sense of humor about it and so forth and so on. And um, for me, like I said, the fans are what BattleBots is all about. Um, being able to interact with them in any way, whether it's in a live event or on Cameo. Um, I did this introduction and I literally made fun of this guy losing his toe. Okay. Like to the point where I was like, I was like, what what's I was like, what's 10? I was like, what's, what's losing one toe when you got nine mo? Like, you know what I mean? I said things like that. I said, I said, so you got one toe chopped off. If it was made of rubber, would your name be Roberto? Like, you know what I mean? I did all kinds of stuff like that. And the message that I got back from that family, it, it, it moved me to tears literally because they said that they laughed and they cried watching that cameo and they that's and they and they watched it they said at least 10 15 times back to back and just laughed and cried over and over and over again and they said it meant so much to them they was like they said that you know it did, and this was during this was like kind of like in the middle of covid they said it did they didn't care how much money they had to spend even though I think at the time it was only like 25 bucks or something, they said they didn't care how much money I had to spend and they really didn't have the money. But just doing that and me doing that message for them lifted their spirits so much that it was invaluable to them. So getting messages like that and being able to do cameos like that and being able to interact with the fans like that is what I really, really hold dear about BattleBots. Farouk, you are a truly wonderful soul. Thank you so much for talking to us. We love you so much. The community just loves you so, so much. We're so happy that you are in this weird little community with us. Just thank you so much for your time. Keep up doing what you do because it brings smiles to so many people, us all included. I've been smiling from ear to ear this entire interview. So just thank you so, so much. And uh, we can't wait to see you back in the battle box again soon. Absolutely. Listen, guys, this has been an amazing pleasure. This will not be the last time. Hit me up in a couple months before the season's over. Let's do it again. I know y'all got more questions. Let's do it. We can make this two times a year kind of thing. Let's make it happen. I'm here for y'all. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from a break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Austria, where researchers have built an edible robot made out of 3D-printed sugar and gelatin. In a video, the researchers showed the robot picking up an apple with a pair of jello-like fingers. These 3D-printed jello robots are biodegradable and easy to make, which is a big step toward environmentally friendly robots of the future. Our friend Curtis Honeycutt sent us this story. So thank you, Curtis. And check out his podcast called Word Nerd. Um, so this is, this like makes me think about that robot that gently nibbles on your fingers because it's not appropriate to ask, you know, children to do it for you. Um, Cause like, I don't know. It's, I feel like these jello like fingers are going to come in to weird purposes. Um, but you know, this is like a kind of a wholesome story. It's it's kind of cute to think about. Organic biodegradable robots. If they biodegrade, they can't come after you because they're going to, you know, eventually return to the earth from when, which they came. Let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> 
this is clearly a uh, this is clearly a robot for big pharma, so that they can uh, that they can create an army of robots to give us all diabetes. Oh, and this is this is their this is their entry point. The the new Wilford Brimley bot. <laughs> See, I was gonna say when uh, when all of the bots decide to do their uprising, they're gonna be like, remember that one time they created us to be edible. Because those evil humans just wanted to eat us. Let's kill them all for doing that. Torturing us in that way. And then check your blood sugar. Check it <laughs> often. Uh, one of my favorite things about this story is that in their prototypes, they were running into problems because the jello would either dry out too quickly so these little fingers would um, lose mobility or um, <laughs> or the jello would start to develop mold in the lab. So they had to figure out how to make uh, mold resistant robots. I mean, like for, for me, like I when I think of the future and I'm like I'm a I'm an optimist at heart. Like I I want to believe that everything will be biodegradable in the future and we're going to figure out materials where it lasts for 10 minutes in the case of straws or it lasts for 50 years in the case of like house materials, you know, but that eventually everything will break down. I love this idea of robots that, um, that can work for a week and then uh, you can replace them and um, recycle their, their materials. It's just like, I, I really, really hope that we can get there. Um, I sometimes look at our kind of crisis of plastic and metal and materials. And I just think, wow, we are pulling so much out of the earth and uh, we're not putting much back. So I would really love to see more things made out of jello. Amen. <laughs> yeah. That's your excuse for wanting more things made out of sugary jello. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately they, uh, they had to stop all of the research on the robot because uh, all the builders kept getting cavities. <laughs> And that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We want to thank Nicole for editing. We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode. And uh, wait, what? Just start it again. Yeah, I'm going to just start it again. Sorry, Nicole. And that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode. And we want to thank Nelly the Ellibot Captain, Sarah Mollian, for providing our amazing outro music. We'll be back next week uh, with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teeth. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds all go, my scaly girl go. Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come her metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her teeth and go